What's up, friends? It is interview time once again. I had a chance to sit down on the old Zoom to speak with a fantastic individual by the name of Stephanie Sheeler. She runs an organization in Kent County, Michigan called CASA, C-A-S-A, which stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. All right, it's really interesting when you find out what exactly this is. I've lived here for quite some time. I had no idea this was a thing. I had no idea that this organization needs volunteer help and uh, dollars and cents in order to operate. I came into interacting with Stephanie because she is working with Megan from Irvine's Auto Repair, Grand Rapids Hybrid, and EV. And that great business, which is, of course, a sponsor of mine, it, well, they're working together, and Irvine's is doing a car show coming up in August, August 25th, and uh, the benefactor is Casa. All the details on this stuff is going to be in the show notes, but enjoy my time with Stephanie Sheeler from Casa. Stephanie, welcome. How are you? I am fabulous today. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad to have you joining me. I was uh, pointed in the direction of you by... A uh, very sweet soul by the name of uh, Megan from Irvine's Auto Repair, Grand Rapids Hybrid, and EV. And she said, I'm going to have you interview Stephanie from CASA. And I was like, well, that sounds like fun. Uh, and so this is what I do. And, um, you know, I guess let me just start right there. Uh, what is CASA? And can you um, tell us all about it? I can. And I'm so excited that Megan is facilitating this. I've had several Zoom meetings with Megan from Irvine's and I agree. She is also an amazing person. Um, CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. And we are CASA in Kent County. And I say that because there are CASAs in different counties around Michigan and across the United States. They're based in a county. And what we do is we train everyday community members to become court appointed special advocates to a child who is in foster care because they've been removed from a parent due to abuse or neglect. That's the overview. I can flesh some of that out for you if you'd like. Um, when a person is in that role. Yes. Um, I mean, obviously a, a volunteer role where they want yes. to, they're like the, um, while the foster parent is caring for day to day of the child, the uh, person who is the court appointed special advocate is taking care of um, you know, legal parameters and things going yeah, on. So, is, that, is that really what's going on? Yeah, I'll explain. When there's a child who has a case in family court because they've been removed from the home, there's always a guardian ad litem, which is an attorney for the child. That attorney is focused on legal things. There's a foster care caseworker, but attorneys and foster care workers have huge caseloads and they can't spend as much time with a child as is needed. So the volunteer sees the child more than anyone else about once a week. The child gets to know the school, the foster home, the parents. And really what that volunteer's purpose is, it's to be the eyes and ears of the judge. So judges make decisions about whether kids go home or not every single day. And what's really impactful is that the judge never meets the child. The judge never talks to the child yet the judge is making a life-altering decision. And so judges appoint these advocates to be their eyes and ears in the community. And then our volunteers report back to the judge what they think is in the child's best interest. 
So the volunteer becomes another voice in the case. And this, um, the volunteer talking to the judge, um, I imagine is less stress on the child because in the event that that volunteer, let's say this didn't exist, you'd have literally a child talking to a judge. Really? No, the little children don't talk to the judge. Um, the, the volunteer gives the judge one more perspective. So there's the okay. caseworker's perspective, the lawyer's, the attorney's perspective, but the attorney only sees the child once every 90 days. So they don't have a lot of information. The caseworker only sees the child once every 30 days, not because they don't want to see the child more. It's a caseload issue, but the CASA volunteer gets to see the child frequently. Okay. So yeah. I, I get it now. So this, um, uh, with, with more involvement with the child, um, it, it allows for a more complete telling of the story so that it the does. appropriate decisions can be made. Yes. And so the CASA volunteer actually turns in a court report every 90 days for each hearings are every 90 days. And the CASA volunteer has to write a court report, submit it to the judge. And then sometimes CASAs are called to testify as well. Um, when it comes to the CASA volunteer, uh, how many young people do they um, interact with? Is it just one? Is it one-on-one? -on -one? Great question. It depends. Sometimes if there's one child in foster care from a family, that CASA volunteer interacts with one child. It might be two siblings. So a CASA volunteer might interact with two siblings. Um, we actually have one CASA volunteer who's handling six siblings right now. But CASAs can also volunteer with a partner, with a spouse, with a friend, with another CASA that we hook them up to, because sometimes a case is complicated or children are in very different locations far away from each other. Um, or perhaps the children can't have contact because of abuse that took place between them. So then we put two CASAs on that case and they work together to advocate for different children on the same case. Is there a set... Um... Uh, like standard of questions that the CASA volunteer asks the child? I mean, what, what, what's, when it comes to the face-to-face -face interactions, are they just basically gauging if the child is depressed, mm -hmm. if the child is energetic, happy, sad? Is that, is it all? Yeah, like I would say there's very little interviewing that goes on and a lot of relationship building and observation. So if the, vo if the volunteer visits the foster home, and the child seems comfortable in the foster home and the child eats lunch in the foster home and the child's playing with toys and the child interacts with the foster mom and seems content, um, the volunteer could report that it seems to be a healthy foster care placement. Um, volunteers can observe parenting visits too. They can observe the children interacting with their parents at one of the child welfare agencies. They can report back, you know, the child was excited to see her mom or the child was nervous to see her mom. So they're doing a lot of observing. They're also talking to other stakeholders. So for example, a CASA volunteer might go to school and talk to the teacher and say, how are things going? Um, how's the behavior? How's the academics? And the CASA volunteer can advocate for services to be put in place, such as tutoring or academic testing. So there's just a lot of observing, asking questions of other adults, and advocating for what that child really needs. Maybe it's therapy. Say goodbye. 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Well, it sounds like the volunteer position um, has a lot of, uh, I hate that, not that people are looking for this, but it really has a lot of sway in all of this. And I think it sounds like a very integral part of the development of a child that's at risk because of, for whatever reason that that's right. taking place. That's right. incredible. Yeah, we call the our volunteers the Green Berets or the Navy SEALs of volunteers because you have picked up on the fact that this is not your everyday volunteer two hours a month opportunity. Um, we usually tell volunteers they're gonna spend about 10 to 15 hours a month on their case. That includes visiting with the child, but also attending maybe a court hearing or a meeting with other stakeholders on the case who are invested in the well being of the child. So it's a pretty big responsibility to be a CASA volunteer. But the reward is also that you are being a voice for a child who doesn't have a voice. Right, right. And I, and how critical is that considering, um, I mean, becoming a child moving through life and, and working to young adulthood and then an adult is stressful enough, uh, right. let alone to have, you know, whatever has taken place that has uh, put the child into the spot of being in a foster care scenario. I, I, I just cannot imagine how difficult that would be. Uh, right. Growing how, up is hard enough. Absolutely. Um, how many, that sounds like there would be a lot of volunteers to make this happen. Is that, is it a large number of people that, that help you out? Yeah. You know what? I pulled out our annual report to share numbers with you from last year. Um, in Kent County last year, 934 children were in foster care. And of those 934, we were able to serve 172. And we did that with 90 volunteers. So it's a ratio of about two kids per volunteer. Um, but one thing to know is that not every child in foster care needs a CASA advocate. Usually it's the most challenging cases or the most difficult um, circumstances, those are the kids that are usually revert, referred to us when things are really complicated or there's been severe abuse or neglect. Do the CASA volunteers, uh, are they, um, they're probably giving very thorough guidance in yes. all of these um, uh, opportunities to, in order to navigate appropriately, correct? Yeah, I'd love to share that. Um, if you, if someone's interested in becoming a CASA volunteer, they start with coming in for an interview to talk about it. Let's talk about if you think it's a good fit, if we think it's a good fit. If, if everybody agrees they should move forward, they go through 30 hours of training. Then they go through what we call a post-interview. Hey, is it still a good fit is basically the question. Then they're sworn in as officers of the court and they actually raise their right hand. They swear to uphold the constitution. They swear to carry out um, the duties of the 17th Circuit Court Family Division. It's a big deal. But the good news for a volunteer is that they are matched with what we call an advocate supervisor. And that advocate supervisor walks the entire case with them. 
They may reach out to their advocate supervisor at any time. The advocate supervisor reaches out to them. So it's like you have this partner walking the road with you. So volunteers are 100% supported throughout the entire case. Wow. Uh, so if when people, if they are interested in doing this, because uh, is this a thing where you can never have enough volunteers? Yes. I mean, we don't have enough. So that's true. It would be wonderful if we had enough, but we don't. Yeah. Need okay. more. Um, we especially need men too. Um, about half the kids in foster care are boys. And I would say we only have about 10% of our volunteers are men. We need women too. I don't want to convey that we don't, but we need men to step up and become volunteers, especially for like our teenage boys. Now, um, this is the first I've heard of this. This is, uh, I, I didn't know of this and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be able to be a part of it and to talk about it because I think more people need to hear this. I'm very happy that, that Megan discovered this. How, how did that develop? Because she, she said, you're talking to Stephanie Sheeler from Casa. And I said, I don't know what that is. And so now mm -hmm. I know, now I'm up to speed on it, but how did this begin with her? So Megan's mom is friends with the former executive director of Casa of Kent County. Okay. And now her name is Patty. She now is the CEO of Michigan Casa, our state organization. Okay. And they're friends. And so Megan's mom and Patty connected Megan and me. That's nice. That happened. Yeah. Nice. Well, um, I love that they're, uh, because Irvine's every year, they, they pick a, a worthwhile group to that. They would want to, um, uh, partner with, uh, it, it's you guys. So that's awesome. How does, uh, finance and dollars and cents help you? I mean, you, you're, you're working for Kent County, but still you need money. Isn't that correct? Yeah. So even though we're Casa of Kent County, we are not a county organization. We are a nonprofit. Um, we just happen to be based in this county. The county does give us some funds, but the vast majority of our funds come from donors, from um, companies that support us and really just people that donate to support us. And that is how we exist. It's the donors and the volunteers that enable this to happen. Without the donors and the volunteers, Casa of Kent County would cease to exist. When people go to Casa C-A-S-A, Kent C-O, casakentco.org. Uh, it opens right up to meet our volunteers, attend an info session, make a donation, all very, very important. Website looks fantastic. And, you know, there is a way to make a difference. There is a way to make a difference. And if anybody is curious about becoming a volunteer, we are happy to have a phone call. We're happy to meet for coffee. Um, our info sessions are very helpful but we are willing to talk with anyone who just wants to learn a little bit more because it's a big commitment and it helps to have a conversation. Stephanie, uh, you're pretty new to the job, I guess, nine months. Uh, uh, how did this unfold for you? Um, I've been moving in the child welfare field for quite a few years. I worked at DA Blodge at St. John's for a while, worked a few other places. So I largely worked on the side of prevention, um, preventing abuse and neglect, working with families. That was my wheelhouse. And then when this job opened, I thought, well, I'll apply. And we just kept going through interviews until one day I had a job offer. And I'm just 
I passionately believe in this mission of advocating for abused and neglected children. And we have an amazing team in our office, our program team, our advocate supervisors. They are so passionate about, um, about this mission of advocating for abused and neglected children. And it's been an absolute joy to be part of this team. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that people like you are in the world, honestly, and, and organizations like this helping really, really vulnerable young people, um, you know, hopefully turn it around after some, I'm sure pretty bad things that you've seen and heard have, have happened to them. So I'm very, very grateful that you guys are here. Thank you. Thank you. We're glad to be here. And we're so thankful for the community that supports us because that's what makes this work happen. Well, uh, there's going to be a car show that Irvine's is involved in. They're putting on uh, August yeah. 25th. You guys are um, uh, benefactors of that. Will I see you at that event? You will see me. You will see some of my team. You will see some of our board members. Okay. That is uh, August 25th. That is Thursday at Irvine's. It's going to be a great time. I hope they burn rubber. And uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, that's what I hear. It's going to be fun. Stephanie, thank you so much. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.